I always say one plus one equals 11. So for me, you know, you know, going into supply chains and then ultimately on the front line, convincing consumers and brands and retailers and and investors that what I was doing was something, you know, also to join me, not just by product, but to actually understand why I was doing this. And for me, the no compromise equation is not just about doing less harm. It's also about doing more good. It's leveraging the power of business to transform positive change. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today, I speak with Marcy Zarov, who is the founder and CEO of Ecosystem Corp. Now, Ecosystem was a term that she coined back in 1995 well ahead of the sustainability revolution. And she's on a mission to marry the world of sustainability with the world of fashion. And uh, not, normally it's not something that was done before, uh, but she's built a business with multiple brands, working with some of the top players in the industry to really look at this conundrum. How do you create products that really are at a higher quality, more sustainable, better for the planet and keep them price competitive? as well as beautiful and attractive for customers. And actually marrying these two things together required innovations and a new way of thinking, which we get into in our discussion. We also talk about what it was like to be ahead of your time in changing an industry. And she's also got a very unique, what she calls story doing approach to actually win over the different partners, suppliers, customers, perhaps policymakers in her ecosystem to get them to become part of the movement. So this is a fantastic conversation with somebody who's really at work, making a difference and changing her industry. Enjoy this conversation with Marcy Zaroff. Marcy, hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here, Richard. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you too. Hey, I'm looking forward to this uh, because I know that you're a trailblazer. Uh, and you've really been focused for many years now on reinventing the fashion and textile industry uh, and doing that as, as, as something on the cutting edge, doing things that haven't been done before. And um, I'm just curious to dive straight into that as to like what got you engaged on that mission in, to, to transform that sector and, and what's it like being on the cutting edge? Like what's, what's that experience? <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, right? Um, so, well, what got me into it was, you know, when you think about how most people uh, become more conscious in their lifestyle choices, it usually starts with food. So I started my career in 1990 where um, I co-founded a school. Uh, today, it's known as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is the world's largest holistic health certification program to become a health coach. I think the program now is in 
150 countries around the world and nearly 200,000 people are certified. So that really got my feet wet as far as understanding how to, you know, change the way we think about what we put in our bodies, right? You are what you eat, let food be thy medicine and really help others go on that journey. And that sort of led me similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like our first basic need being food. And then we evolve and say, what else? What's next? Well, shelter and clothing. And when I started to unpack, you know, the interconnection of agriculture and popular culture from food to fiber and how they work together, it's dawned on me that there was a missing link and that you couldn't really support one part of the equation without the other. And so in 1995, I coined and trademarked the term eco-fashion. People thought I was crazy when you talk about being a trailblazer. Um, you know, people used to say to me, Marcy, pe- you know, people are either into fashion and looking good in the material world or they're into the humanitarian, social consciousness, environmental awareness. But those two worlds are very dichotomous. They, they don't coexist. And I said, well, I can't be the only one on the planet that wants both. So my mantra has always been kind of a yes and type of mantra, right? Give people the yes. And as a business leader, it's always about leading with what people want. In food, that's taste. In beauty products, it's scent and functionality. In fashion, it's style and quality and price. And then ultimately in business, it's, you know, profitability. And so when you start to talk about giving people everything they want and, oh, by the way, making a difference to human and environmental wellness or farmer and worker welfare, future generations. Now it's a value add. It's not about sacrifice or deprivation. It's about giving people more. And that's always been kind of my philosophy and life work built on that. Yeah. You saw these things that people didn't see as going together and said, well, what if we bring them together? Right. I mean, it's just a great way of innovating is to take things which people think is a linear axis and, uh, and say we can do both. So that's. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say, you know, um, Jonathan Swift, who was always a big inspiration of mine, um, you know, wrote Gulliver's Travels and taking people on journeys and, you know, this whole thing for me, it's like Lao Tzu once said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. But Jonathan Swift once said, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. And so to me, it's about setting that vision when you see it, when it speaks to you in your gut, right, which is kind of the lifeline to your own truth or, you know, what you believe and where the passion comes from. You know, when you set that intention, then it's a matter of just starting that journey one step at a time. And as I've said, you know, it's been a long and winding road, but, um, you know, continue to move forward and learn new things every day along the way. Beautiful. So, yeah, you said you were ahead of your time, right? Or, you know, you were pioneering. And so what's your sense of like the unique challenges when you are creating a new model or you are perhaps ahead of your time, right? Because timing can be everything, you know? And so being ahead can be hard. Yeah. Well, I always say I'm a walking cliche, right? What doesn't kill you makes you smarter and stronger and clearer and better at everything that you do. So um, yeah, I mean, in the early years, um, probably my greatest challenges were number one, um, it didn't exist, right? So I had to think out of the box and build supply chains and convince farmers and factory workers that, you know, my vision was something worthy of, you know, buying into and believing in me and helping me get there, right? Because I always say one plus one equals 11, right? We're exponentially stronger together than apart. We have to collaborate or co-create to unlock the potential, right, of what doesn't exist. So for me, you know, you know, going into supply chains and then ultimately on the front lines, 
convincing consumers and brands and retailers and um, and investors, really, that what I was doing was something, you know, also to join me, not just by product, but to actually understand why I was doing this. And for me, you know, uh, the no compromise equation is not just about doing less harm. It's also about doing more good. It's leveraging the power of business to transform, you know, positive change, you know. Okay, so there's a lot of things in that already. So let me let me get go there. So building an ecosystem, you know, supply chain, the brands, the retailers, uh, consumers. What was the kind of how did you get them on board? Because there's a moment when you had nobody on board, right? You didn't have like any of the pieces. You you were just you. And so, what was the angle you took? Was it like a basically like a here's a great business proposition angle? Was it like a this is a mission and it's going to inspire you to be like, to bet on this. Uh, was it bet on me as an individual? Like, how did you kind of uh, land those first supporters? So given that I came out of a holistic mindset, having kind of integrated Eastern and Western philosophy, right? When I trademarked and, and coined the term eco-fashion in 1995, you know, with this intention of kind of building from the source to the story, a holistic and vertical integration that could connect the dots of what I was doing, how I was doing it, why I was doing it, but I could back it up with transparency and authenticity and, and you know, things that people are talking about today, right? Farm to table, going back to the source you know, in my brand farm to home, going back to the source. And it's very metaphoric, right? For where, you know, within us, the, the light turns on where we have that awareness inside at our own source, right? It's that gut level again. And so, you know, again, metaphorically for me, it, how I got people to join this vision was speak to them on that soul level and inspire them with, Hey, how great is this jacket or this shirt or this dress or, you know, and it's priced, you know, in a way that is in your, you know, in your budget, right? It's value, but it's also or and values, right? So it's not about giving something up. It's about getting more. And with my first brand that I started in 1995 under the canopy, we started as a mail order catalog. And that was kind of before the whole D to C, you know, direct to consumer. That was our version of direct to consumer, but it was about storytelling, but it was also about story doing. So what I would do is I would unlock at the farm level, you know, relationships with the farmers and the seed, right, which represents life. And then I would go in the factories and I would talk about how can we empower more women to be in leadership? How can we be, you know, paying people fair wages, looking through the lens of ethical manufacturing, you know, reducing our impacts in every single touch point of the supply chain, and then connecting that to the story. Right. So fast forward, you know, three decades later that I've been doing this, this is what everybody's talking about today. Right. They're talking about, you know, social and digital media and storytelling and transparency and digital, you know, traceability. And how can we, you know, connect the dots between, you know, what we're doing and what we're saying. And, you know, when I first started under the canopy, when we first moved into, you know, from catalog uh, where we were storytelling to the consumer to partnering with retailers. It's very interesting because a lot of those initiatives with retailers were being driven by the marketing departments. 
So for instance, we launched Target's very first organic program they ever did in textiles. And it was driven by their CMO versus today where it's their product design and development teams that are the ones that are driving these kinds of changes. I also partnered with Whole Foods Market and with Aveda uh, to launch textiles for them. So that co-creation was about connecting the dots and helping people, you know, have that awareness that it's not just what we put in our bodies that matters. It's also what we put on our bodies and around our bodies and in the air and water we're depending on around the globe and our, you know, ecosystems that we have a relationship with that we need to thrive so that we can thrive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Working all these levels at once. Um, what I love is your phrase around story doing and not just storytelling. Did I understand that as like as an invitation to these different partners to be part of the story? Is that really what you mean? Like be the, be the person, the brand that stands up for this or this on the cutting edge and you're inviting them into the story. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I would say my life work has been like the Intel inside for many brands and retailers. Um, for instance, at the beginning of COVID, uh, I forged a partnership with QVC and they said, Marcy, you know, you're creating these products through my company, Eco Fashion Corp. And can you also create brands for us and go on air? So we created two brands. One was called Farm to Home and one is called Seed to Style. And one is obviously Seed to Styles Apparel and Farm to Home is Home Textiles. And it was connecting literally from the farm all the way to the shelf, seed to shelf or, or farm to consumer. And being able to talk about, you know, this is amazing product. And oh, by the way, it's also, you know, environmentally conscious and socially responsible and, you know, focused on climate action, but you're not giving anything up. So when I wrote my book, you know, Eco Renaissance, uh, co-creating a stylish, sexy, and sustainable world, you know, I talk about how there are these principles across all the different sectors, right? And, it, you know, they're the five C's, creativity, consciousness, community, connection, and collaboration. So going back to retailers and brands that I've partnered with, that co-creation or that collaboration is, is all about win-win, right? How can I be a halo for them so I can tell an authentic story, but I can also back it up with, you know, the products that I'm making or the supply chains that I'm building with them or, you know, for them. Yeah. I mean, what's coming to mind as you talk about this, all these incredible partnerships and opportunities you've created is, and obviously you wrote your book and you, you know, had your brand term and, you know, and you were focus on building out this kind of thought leadership as well as the businesses. I'm kind of wondering on the relationship between, you know, you were starting these small businesses from the start, getting them growing. And then obviously when you do that, there's quite a lot of outward bound approach. You know, you've got to get out there and get the message out. And at the same time, you had your book and you were probably um, very active in that space as a thought leader. And so there, from that, there might've been some inbound requests or opportunities that came from your profile so I'm kind of wondering what your experience was of that like did you find actually it was more like I'm going to pick up the phone and make like one call at a time and like make this thing happen or did you find actually you focus more on that awareness raising of you know yourself as a leader in the field and that created opportunities which was the biggest well how did it shift over time perhaps might be a question 
Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. And I think, you know, how I would answer it is it's not one or the other. It's a convergence of, you know, trying to solve for what are the problems out there, right? Like any good entrepreneur where we're looking at what's the problem and how can we be a solution provider? Well, to me, the issue was always that the consumer didn't get it, right? So how can I educate consumers? Business and businesses, you know, whether it's brands or retailers that I was partnering with, didn't know how to do it. So then it was, well, how can I help them or do it for them or with them? Now there's even government policy, right, which is underway. So, you know, for me, it's also about how do I integrate that knowledge? And I've been very instrumental through the course of my career in writing standards and certifications and doing policy work. And, you know, I was on the board of directors of the Organic Trade Association, which built the organic industry in America and, you know, unlocked what was, you know, a, a handful of people that all knew each other 30 years ago to a $67 billion industry in the U.S. alone today, right? And, you know, 83% of Americans are now eating organic food, at least occasionally. I mean, this is all over the world. So I have seen the growth of that movement by, by everybody sort of working together. So, you know, and working with the government and working with consumers, right? It's kind of a trifecta. So the way that, you know, I really believe we're going to accelerate change and really scale these, you know, positive impacts to engage um, the next generation is to give them what they're looking for, which is transparency, right? Which is accountability um, and which is affordability and accessibility, at the same time that when you talk to brands and retailers, what they want is, you know, they want to make sure they're doing it right because there's risk in, in it. There's, you know, the social media mafia that will attack you if you're not doing it right, right? So risk mitigation, they want it, you know, they want efficiencies because they don't want to pay more ultimately because the way they're structured, especially in my industry, you know, it's the the departments are very siloed and the way incentives are built, margins are built is very old school. The systems really are very outdated. You know, it's almost like trying to move a Titanic. So for me, how I've been able to unlock that at the brand and retail side is meet them where they are, understand where their pain points are and help them navigate those complexities. And that's where I can really leverage my experience, my um tenacity as an entrepreneur and being very nimble and being able to figure stuff out, right? Like, which is as a big company and a, with limited resources and oftentimes limited people, they don't know how to do that, right? So how can we create a win-win? And it does always start with understanding sort of where, you know, things get stuck and, and helping to sort of just like energy doesn't want to get stuck, right? Because then it can't flow. How do you, you know, how can you actually help them and um, be a solution provider? You know, because if you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem, right? And as Albert Einstein once said, you know, we can't solve today's problems with the same consciousness that created them, right? So when you go into these old dated systems and you have a different perspective because you're outside of it, you can help sort of elevate the consciousness by virtue of, you know, Again, meeting companies where they are and taking them step by step on the journey, making it easy for them. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to introduce you to two transformative programs that we run. The first is Rivendell, my exclusive group of top CEOs who are committed to transforming themselves, their businesses 
and the world. It's an incredible peer group and a deep coaching experience that will push you to new heights, no matter how successful you've already been. The second is Impact Accelerator, a coaching program for executives who are ready to make a big leap forward in their own leadership. It's regularly described as life-changing and no other program provides such personal strategic clarity, a measurable shift in stakeholder perceptions and a world-class leadership development environment. Find out about both of these programs at xquadrant.com services. Now back to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a large part of what you focused on is, is mobilizing the ecosystem in new ways, right? So it's, the, it's not the individual components, it's how the flow is between them, like what happens between the components. And, and would you say, is there like a particular, I mean, obviously you talked about this either or, and that might be the key thing, but like, is there some other mindset shift that you had to promulgate across these ecosystems to get people to do things differently? Something that was holding them back until you showed up? Well, I would say that historically, um, when you talk about, you know, and again, my book being about the eco renaissance, it's about a rebirth of humanity. That's what a, a renaissance is, right? A, a rebirth and eco being that we're all a part of a collective ecosystem. It is that holistic lens that we just spoke about. And I think there were always stigmas attached to this movement that, you know, number one, that you had to give up something. So in food, people, you know, equated healthy food as it doesn't taste good, or they equated, you know, beauty products that they don't work, you know, clean beauty, or they equated fashion that it's, you know, crunchy, frumpy, boxy, beige, and boring, right? Or overpriced. So the second stigma being, oh, I got to pay a lot more for it, right? The third stigma being, well, how do I really know? And so for me, you know, addressing those stigmas from the standpoint of, you know, again, the premise of my book, through the lens of design, we can change the world. So we have to redesign the systems that aren't serving us. In food, you have to make it taste great. And then, oh, by the way, it can also be, you know, healthier and organic and regenerative and all that. Same thing with beauty products. You want to, you know, make sure they work, they smell good, but then they can be non-toxic. And the same thing with fashion. So, you know, for me, it's always been about, you know, understanding why it hasn't been embraced. And ultimately sort of this meta vision for me has been, how do I change the norm to the alternative and the alternative to the norm? And, and, and do you find, it's, it's inspiring, but do you find that like there are barriers, like at some point you go, it is have to get, it's going to have to be more expensive, right? For example. So how do you deal like, because presumably if you raise standards in certain areas, raise quality, the bar of quality, I mean, there's a reason why things, the bar has been low, right? Generally because it's cheaper. So how do you kind of reconcile like raising the standards and keeping it affordable for people? Yeah, there's, there's two ways. Um, so first of all, the pricing models that we see today out there are just, they're, they're, they're so, um, they're not, they haven't kept up with the times, right? They're, they're not um, relevant to where they really should be. So I think there needs to be a little bit of a reset anyway. But now having said that, for me, vertical integration is about starting at the beginning and building up and unlocking all the inefficiencies. So in a garment, most people don't realize that that shirt you're wearing could have changed hands 10 times in a supply chain. 
And that if the designer of that shirt sent the tech pack to a factory and expected the factory to build that shirt, they're going to source down the supply chain and they're going to rely on brokers, agents, middlemen, and all kinds of people that are going to take a little cut or another penny here, another penny there. We start at the ground and build up the supply chain. So I've always been very um, committed to, you know, unlocking sort of a, a, um, all the inefficiencies so that I can add value, pay the makers, you know, the farmers and the, and the factory workers more, but keep the, the end price competitive so that now it's not, why would you buy sustainable apparel and home textiles? It's why wouldn't you, if you can have everything you want and, you know, know that it's making a difference, then that's what's going to transform this movement. And that's what I've always been very focused on. And part of that is these partnership deals, right? Because no one company can do this alone. The innovation and the, you know, um, is really uh, contingent on collaboration because a lot of these, you know, whether it's technological innovation, it's, you know, education or storytelling, um, we all need to hold hands. And I'm a chair of the board of an organization called the Textile Exchange. And so I also, in my work, not only am I looking at how do I connect consumers, policy, and business, but I also am very active on the nonprofit side because it's companies or organizations like the Textile Exchange that are bringing together hundreds of companies. In fact, we had a conference in London last week we had 1,500 people there and another 500 virtual. We had 800 companies uh, from, I think, 60 different company, uh, countries around the world, all part of this event. And we're all, you know, maybe speaking different languages, but we're all speaking the same language of changing this fashion and textile industry, which is a $3 trillion industry. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. That's great insights on how you raise the bar and keep things affordable, right? By looking at the business model and, and vertical integration and, and partnerships. So that, thank you. That's really insightful. Oh, let's move on to my, from my favorite questions, which is uh, how is multiplying your impact, right? So I know that you're somebody who's still on your big mission. And um, so what's it going to look like for Eco Fashion Corp to, to multiply its impact over the next few years? You know, what, what, what's, what's that going to look like? Yeah, well, um, you know, we are relatively speaking, we're just getting started, although, this, you know, Eco Fashion Corp is really 30 years in the making for me. Um, we're working with some very, very large global companies right now. Um, we have the largest regenerative cotton farm project in the world in India, where we also have offices and our sourcing and production teams. Um, and for me, I've always been very passionate about soil health. Because what people don't realize is that soil is like the skin of the earth. It's meant to protect us. And when it's healthy and it, the biodiversity and the ecosystem is thriving, it will sequester carbon out of the atmosphere. So the industry, and I talked about the textile exchange, we have a commitment to reduce our carbon footprint by 45% by 2030. And so both at the Eco Fashion Corp level and as a, you know, global fashion and textile industry, you know, car climate action is paramount right now, right? 
Um, and it's not about staying ahead anymore. It's about not being left behind. So at Eco Fashion Corp, we're meeting these companies, you know, to help them meet their science-based climate targets, helping them diversify out of China, helping them, you know, integrate regenerative and organic cotton, you know, as the source to their finished cotton textiles products, you know, their sheets, their towels, their robes, their t-shirts, their denim, their sweaters. Um, and cotton is a third of the world's textiles, right? So it's a huge unlock to actually expand sustainable agriculture by making products. And that's what we're doing at Eco Fashion Corp. We have a couple of our own brands, as I mentioned earlier, another brand being Yes And, which stands for, you know, again, yes, you can have everything you want and make a difference in the world, style and sustainability. Um, and that's a partnership platform. And then we have, uh, you know, again, private label manufacturing like the Intel inside of this movement that uh, is a tech enabled uh, and very disruptive supply chain platform that uh, we partner with brands and retailers on. So it's to scale that. Yeah. Continue scaling that. Yes. It sounds like you've got like a retail play and a wholesale play, if I understand that, is a, you're an enabler as well to other brands. Yeah. I mean, the private label manufacturing side is really where, you know, the biggest scale is because we're working with, you know, we say mass to class, um, you know, multi-billion dollar companies um, that are trying to find solutions. Right. And so serving others is serving ourselves. We're all in this together. And uh, as we continue to, you know, help them, whether it's building, you know, organic underwear for one of the biggest underwear brands in the world, or it's, you know, baby programs, or it's, um, you know, lingerie, uh, you know, we're working on all different product categories, and it's making it easy, affordable, uh, accessible, and and keeping it authentic. Uh, because that is one of the big risks is greenwashing, as well as green hushing, right? So companies that are, you know, afraid that they might not be doing it right. And then companies that are think they're doing everything right, but are scared to talk about it. So we're, we're trying to solve for all these challenges. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. What, what's, what's going to be the stretch for you, Marcy? So, um, as we scale and multiply the impact we want to make, there are, there are thresholds where we have to become a different kind of leader to get into the next part. And so what comes to mind, you know, what's going to be your personal leadership challenge as you move into this next phase of scaling? Yeah. So, um, the business that I do takes good people, seasoned people, you know, I'm really looking to, uh, expand my team. Um, and that is, you know, uh, tied to resources. This is a, uh, a world on, <laughs> You know, we've never seen anything like this unparalleled in terms of the challenges. I feel like I've been dodging grenades now for the last three years, building my startup um, in a world that has been, you know, just wrought with, you know, whether it's supply chains, logistics, costs, fraud, I mean, you name it, um, you know, inflation, economy, war, uh, climate change, you know, it's all kind of coming at you from every direction. And you have to just stay focused. And for me, you know, it is about getting to, you know, getting to the big picture, getting to, you know, where I believe 
we have to keep working together to drive that change. And um, so the challenges for me today are probably making sure that I don't run out of fuel in the tank so that I can continue expanding and scaling what I'm doing um, and making sure I, you know, continue to find great people who share my vision. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think one of the things that makes me very excited that I pinch myself is I think the next generation is waking up to wanting, you know, what we say are the five P's, right, of, of good business, which is people, planet, prosperity, passion, and purpose. And, you know, they're thinking differently about business today. They're thinking about, you know, doing well by doing good in the world. And, you know, not just hanging their hat on sort of old school business models that don't serve us, that have been depleting and destroying um, and, you know, polluting and degrading the ecosystems that we depend on. And, you know, what people don't realize is the fashion industry is one of our leading causes of air and water pollution, right? Second to coal. And when you look at, you know, the carbon footprint of fashion and textiles, you know, you'll see these statistics range from four to eight percent, depending on if you include agriculture and transportation. Um, but it's a big one. And 20 percent of the world's freshwater pollution. And, you know, so it's how do we minimize our impacts on and reduce them, you know, on energy, water, climate, you know, social justice issues, um, chemical use, but not, you know, but not in a way that makes people feel like they're giving anything up. And, uh, and as I've said before, it's about yes and. Yeah, beautiful. Marcy, what I love about this conversation is, first of all, uh, you are extremely passionate about the topic. It comes across. Uh, you're definitely on a mission. You're very well read. You've got the numbers. You, you, you know, you know, the situation, that expertise, I think, that you've acquired over the last 30 years, you know, really comes out. And uh, yeah, you, you're an innovator, right? You're not prepared to accept the trade-offs that have been the, the, the standard in the past. And you're looking to kind of combine things to find that, that both-and answer. Uh, and that's perhaps been where you've created new opportunities in the market and, and, and in businesses that are scaling. So just thank you so much for this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Wish you all the best. We're going to follow the journey as you revolutionize the sector, continue to be part of that. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing the, uh, the insights with us. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me today. And and uh, I'll just end with another favorite quote, which is work is love made visible from a book called The Prophet by Kaloka Braun. So when you love your work, it's not work, it's love. And I think the world needs love. And uh, so we can integrate our personal and professional values and co-create you know, a better world together. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks. Bye now. Cheers. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast, where you'll find all the details. Now, finally, when you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.